Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to our round table where we're bringing awareness all across the globe. With me, I have Miss Andrea, Miss Denise, Miss Rhonda, and Mr. Hennett, and myself. We're going to educate, bring awareness, and do all that we can do. Um, so if the audience have any questions at any given time, go ahead and ask your questions, and we're going to try to answer them. <clears throat> Miss Andrea, can you introduce yourself? Oh, sorry about that. I was on mute. Sorry, sorry. Hello, everyone. Hey, my name is Andre Merriman. I am your creative harmony coach and master domestic violence help coach. I work to disrupt the normalcy of domestic violence by providing advocates, servant leaders, ministers, workshops and training and support so that they can continue to serve those that they do serve. All right. Ms. Clemens, can you introduce yourself to the people? Yes, my name is Denise. I am, um, I don't know what, pretty much just Denise. Awesome. <laughs> Denise is very, um, she's very involved with the mental health um, field. So um, I will have some questions for her dealing with mental health. Miss Rhonda, can you introduce yourself? You're on mute. God, I was just talking to. Okay. Can you hear me now? You can. Okay. My name is Rhonda Nixon. I am the owner and operator of Reawakening LLC. And what that is, is um, a life practice where I change your life one piece at a time. With that, uh, one of the passions for becoming a life coach was uh, overcoming domestic violence. And so um, I am a domestic, a domestic violence survivor, and I help people survive through that um, one piece at a time. Mr. Hennett, can you introduce yourself? I am C. Dwayne Hennett, author of The Ripple Effect, The Lasting Effects of Domestic Violence. I'm a published author, professional speaker, um, domestic violence advocate, and advocate for um, homelessness, mental illness, and human trafficking. And as you all know, I am Bernita Howard. I am an author. I'm an advocate for domestic violence. Um, I do motivational speaking. And I love to bring awareness so we can help our communities to be a safer place. So we're going to jump right into our roundtable. And if you have, if you're viewing, if you have any questions, just put them in the comments. And I'm going to try to address them along with the team. So thank you guys so much for joining in with us to spread awareness. And we're excited to have you guys on bringing awareness from our tables to 
our viewers tables to everybody table. So we're going to jump right on in. So uh, Mr. Hennett, in your, um, in your wording, can you tell us what domestic violence is? Sure. It's the purposeful, willful, um, uh, purposeful, willful, um, traumatic um, destruction of a relationship for power and control. Uh, I like to classify it as that uh, because of what it, what uh, happens in a relationship, how traumatic domestic violence is in a relationship, and the the purpose of it is for power and control. Miss Andrea. Because we know you are a domestic violence coach and you spread awareness all the time. Can you um, can you educate? A lot of people are asked about warning signs when it comes to domestic violence. Can you educate us on some of the warning signs? Yes, yes. And that and that is one of the things that I like to talk to people about because so many my understanding and, and, and what I hear from a lot of people, including myself, was that when we first start dating, we start dating projects. <laughs> and we don't even see that as a warning sign. We want to fix him. We, we, we feel sorry. We start saying, oh, um, nobody understands him the way I do. All those are warning signs. One, if it, I don't even talk, I haven't even gotten to him. These are the things that you can check well, yourself about. about. When it comes to if you're constantly saying these things to yourself about that person, that's your first warning. Okay. So, but what you need to start looking at are and, things uh, like uh, nobody. how does he treat other people? If you can't even go to the McDonald's line and he's throwing ice or cussing out the, the, the drive through person, that's your clue. You know, when he tells you how nobody understands him, none of his friends like him, his mama don't want to deal with him, his brother and sister shunning him, that's a clue. And see, these are things that are happening before you even get into the relationship. And then the, the, the power and controls fit thing that he talked about starts in place once we get in the relationship. But Renita, those are just before the relationship start. And that, um, so, and, and I can say from personal experience, being a survivor and then Ms. Rhonda, you can um, come in as well. Um, I know for me, the science was there, but I didn't understand what it was because I didn't see it in my home. And so um, being young and being married at the time, you know, you think about what your pastor, you know, the pastor that married us said, he was like, you got to be submissive. You got to submit. You got to do this. You got to do that. But what they didn't explain to me is one, I need to read the word for myself. And then two, um, everybody definition of being submissive is completely different. Um, the Bible said to submit, but it don't say to be submissive, you know, and I thought that whatever he said, you know, I was supposed to do. And I find myself being a magnet, not just to him, 
but to other males, you know, um, with the same tendencies. So we have to be, you know, when um, a lot of times when I'm going and I'm talking to young women and they was like, well, I'm married, I have to submit to him, you know, and all the signs are there. No, baby, you don't need to submit. You need to run. Get you a safety yeah. plan and be out, you know. And and so um, I think it's real important, and especially with our young people getting married at a young age, that they understand what domestic violence is. Because for me, I didn't know what it was. I thought, oh, he got to love me because he's acting out. No. Miss Rhonda? I think uh, what Buffy you said was head on. Um, the other thing is as women, we're born nurturers, right? So we want to fix everything. And he was like, well, I can love him back to life. I can love him. Just give him a little love. He don't have that. But we cannot fix. That's not our job to fix. That's God's job. And so um, when it takes us out of character or out of our norm, then that that's the way, that's one indication for sure that we're not, first of all, in the will of God. But secondly, um, Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians 13 tells us what love is. If it's none of those things, I run. I'm like, you run, sis, run. <laughs> yeah. But don't you think that part of that is because, and, and I say this a lot, it's because the churches and I hear speakers and everybody talking about you need to find someone with unconditional love. And if you preach unconditional love, that means I got to take out his mess, too, because there's no condition to what I'm supposed to continue to keep loving. Uh, OK, I'm glad you said that, because my domestic violence started in the church. We were both youth on the youth department over the youth. We were youth directors. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so that part, um, a lot of domestic violence. And that's one of the things that that drives me is domestic violence in the church, because there's so many people hiding behind religion. So many people hiding behind prayer. And don't give out. Prayer, you you got to pray, but in addition to prayer, there's therapy. There's are things that we need to start teaching our girls, and not only our girls, our young men to be aware of. You know that controlling spirit that is not of God. God, God, if any, and the best way to describe that is compare that when we come to Christ. Christ is, um, he's a gentleman. He gonna force himself on you. Why would a man or woman do that? So we got to slow down and stop getting caught up in the woo because I did. I'm a victim of it. I got caught up in the woo, the, the nice words, and woo. But girl, he do take care of his kids, girl. And I will do it. Denise, would you? And you know what? And I, I'm so great. I need to say this, and I'm be quiet, but I need to say this to you. Um, I commend people like this because people are afraid to talk about it. For years, I walked around in shame, right? But now I'm not ashamed. You, anybody invite me? Yes, I'm gonna say it. Yes, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm ashamed because, and and afterwards, they don't come to me during the thing, or they inbox me. They ask me questions. They want to know more information. Why? Mm -hmm. Because it's not talked about it. It's that hidden thing that goes up under the rug. And we, and I commend you for having this forum. I really do. 
So thank you, woman of God. You're welcome. And for me, for 21 years, I, I, this time of the year, for 21 years, I was under the rock. You know, I, um, I would smile and I would hide so much behind my smile. Um, a lot of people didn't know. And then when I first came out and start telling my story, you know, I have people to say, well, if you forgave, why are you telling? Well, baby, the Bible also say your testimonies are your delight. So I believe in telling my testimony because, you know, if, if it wasn't for him, where would I be? Not only that, um, people don't understand when you go through a traumatic experience, how it affects your mental um, ability. So I remember when I first started coming out, people's like, oh, I used to work for you. You were so mean. But nobody knew what I dealt with and the pain that was buried on the inside. So if you was to uproar at all, you know, I took defense. And now, you know, I can like laugh and keep it going. But nobody knew how it affected me mentally. You know, I smiled. They thought, oh, well, you know, she, she got together on the inside. I was tore slam up. And it took therapy. It took all of that. But Miss um, Clemens, is there anything that you want to elaborate? You're on mute. I think we lost Ms. Clemens. Mr. Hannett, from a male's perspective, what would you want to say? Um, from a male perspective, I would want to say probably that yeah, I agree with everything that you guys said. Um, I would try, <clears throat> from a male perspective, I would try to look more at the red flags when it comes to um, choosing a mate or dating someone. Um, red flags are, are meant to be a warning sign. So take mm -hmm. heed to the warning signs that you do see. Um, and just be careful, um, when you do see the warning signs or when you do see the signs of abuse or, or, or little signs of jealousy and rage and anger and stuff like that, that you take notice to it. Um, because, uh, in my experience with domestic violence, it escalates. So mm -hmm. he may be breaking furniture or property and stuff like that. He may be yelling at you and just verbally abusing you, but eventually it does uh, escalate to physical abuse. Can you hear me now? So true. We can. Okay. I would like to add to that because in a lot of ways, when we're dealing with a, a significant other, we also forget that sometimes we can be the abuser because there are so mm -hmm. lot of issues that we haven't dealt with within ourselves and we want them to understand us, understand us when we haven't really took time to do the homework with ourselves. If we cannot love and respect ourselves and condition ourselves enough to receive love from ourselves, there's no way we can give it or know what it feels like to receive it. Um, mm -hmm. As far as like 
physical abuse. I never really, thank God, been through that. But I have been through mental abuse and it's been well 20 years, over 20 plus years, because I thought that I could fix him. I thought that I could pray him through it. I thought that I could pray us through it, but all the time I didn't know that there were issues within myself that I had to fix me first. There's no way I can help others or begin to, you know, give others input until I dealt with myself first because I would just keep feeding, 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 you know, what I thought to be okay. But when you're trying to put how you feel off others, you have to be ever so careful because then you, you, you know, have to pick up some of that blame. Not saying that it's your fault that you're getting physically abused. Physically abused is never your fault that you're getting abused regardless of what you do. But sometimes, well, I'm not even going to say but. And, and when we get into these relationships and marriages, we just have to make sure that we are ready. Because a lot of people like to get married for Instagram. Just to say they're married. When it's more to it than that. Somebody said, why are our grandparents' marriages lasting longer than these little marriages? Because every time something happens, you want to break up. That's not how it works. When they say submissive, unconditionally, those are some conditions that you're going to have to deal with in a marriage. I've never been married, but my mom and dad have been married 50 plus years. And I've seen what it takes, you know, to go into a marriage and have it have it be a successful marriage. Right. And it, it takes work on both um, both ends. Um and for me and my husband, um, this year, we're going on 10 years as of Friday. Um, one thing I like that we do, I hear a lot of couples say, well, we do 50-50. No, because if you're only putting half in, that's all you going. That's all I'm going to get out. So we put 100% in. You know, we never say, you know, it's a halfway thing. We put it all the way in. He knew the, the trauma. And everything, and what I love about it was when he realized that, you know, I was bringing the baggage, you know, in, he said, V, you need therapy. And so a lot of times in our community, we're told that therapy is not for us. Counseling is not for us. You're crazy. You're this, you're that. But five years ago, and it's um, five years ago when I first stepped room into my first um, therapy session, that was the most life-changing thing I could ever done. You know, I was ashamed to tell anybody because on the outside, I looked like I had it together. But on the inside, again, I was twisting them up. And so my first session, I remember my therapist saying, well, if you're not going to talk about it, you might as well leave. You're going to leave broken the same way that you came. And I got irritated with her at first. I was like, what do you mean I'm going to be broken? You know, what do you mean? Why are you talking to me like that? I got to pay you when I leave here. And you going to talk junk to me? She said, I want to help you. There's a lot bottled down on the inside. She said, um, and I was like, no, it's not. But I tell you, and I'll tell anybody, if you ever go through anything, Go see a therapist. Go get counseling. You know, you need it. I did not realize how much I needed it. You know, I was I was afraid of being labeled, oh, you crazy if you go get therapy. No, I'm not. 
Yeah. Anybody wants a stigma. Yeah, that's the kind of a stigma within our community. And I think that uh, with even with this platform, it brings more awareness to go and get, you know, help and um, to get therapy. I mean, and that's not anything to be ashamed of, because when dealing with lifelong traumas like that, it's either it's going to break you sooner or later because it's trauma. And a lot of people don't like to identify our issues as trauma and that it's just what it is and it's going to take professional help at times to help you get through to that you know to get through your traumas mr hennett be it mental I'll, physical or sexual look you i'll i'll say i'll say this and as far as that no as far as domestic domestic violence in my experience with the uh, other um, victims or survivors, um, nobody knows the exact trauma or exactly what uh, someone goes through in a domestic violence relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Um, it's meant to be kept secret. It's meant to be, it's meant to be um, kept from everybody else. You're meant to be mm-hmm. isolated. And that isolation does d- deteriorate um, your mental health. Um, I can tell you right now, everybody that that goes through a traumatic experience needs therapy. Um, mm-hmm. I can tell you on my own personal experience, the most traumatic thing that I ever been through was losing both of my parents. Um, I had my mother pass away, um, and then a year later, then my sister passed away. I mean, not my sister, but my father passed away right behind her within within a year. Um, and then six years after that, my sister passed away. So everybody, those three deaths came came at a young age. A young age for me, and it came at a young age for them. Uh, my sister was in her forties. My mother's, was, my mother and my father were in their early sixties. Um, that was the most traumatic thing for me, and I needed therapy just to get through that. Um, but to 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 think about all that goes into domestic violence—the verbal abuse, the mental abuse, the torture, the 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 uh, gaslighting that you go through, um, the cheating. The lies that you tell it erodes someone's mental health. I mean, no one that hasn't gone through domestic violence and is not an advocate knows exactly what goes on through it. That goes that goes into being in a domestic violence relationship. And I think when we talk about domestic violence and we, we bring up issues and, and and things like that, we need to we need to let people know that it's it's just more than just a physical abuse. People, people that experience it, they do want to get help and they do want to get help to leave, but they also need to get help to ease what mental torture they went through. And I'm glad you brought that up, that it's more to um, domestic violence than just the physical part. Um, a lot of people, a lot of times when they educate on domestic violence, they you know, um, and as soon as you hear, you just feel like, or you think, oh, she got hit or he got hit, whatever. But it's so much more. Um, I remember when I really started, you know, being educated on it and they start talking about financial abuse, spiritual mm. abuse, emotional abuse, psychological <laughs> abuse. I'm like, how much more? <laughs> I don't been through all this, you know? Um, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, it really has a name for it, you know? And so um 
I was just like at an eye. I was like, oh my gosh, this is more than what I bargained for. I was just thinking more on the physical, you know, because I was physically abused, but I didn't realize the financial abuse. You know, I'm one of the few that, you know, I can say that I walked out. I wasn't broke, but I didn't understand. Like he had total control over the finances. And so I was allowance $250 a month. I worked. I was in like um, some terrible car accidents and I didn't realize the money. I never had any control over the finances. But one thing it taught me when I walked away and I was done was to get educated on that as well. Um, so many people and we do see now with women working. You know, sometimes we are the financial abusers, you know, especially if he's not, you know, now we're able to go out and get our degrees, you know, and work in fields that, you know, they never thought that we could work in or, you know, the gender roles, you know, you, you only work in the office or be in the home. And now we're able to go out and do STEM and, you know, uh, make more money, um, that sometimes our husbands or our significant others. And so we have to understand when we're telling him, oh, you can't use my money or we're talking down to him. We are abusing him and abusing his ego, you know, but we don't want to talk about that. Miss um, Andrea. Okay. <laughs> Can I say one thing about mm -hmm. finances and, and all the things that I say you shouldn't put forth into a boyfriend what you would a husband because it's two different entities. Yes. Ooh, say that again. <laughs> can, you repeat, can you repeat that again for the people in the back row and the ones in the front that it went over their head and went, you know, can you repeat that one more again? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. I got a little excited. <laughs> what you put in a husband because a husband is different. That's where that unconditional love comes in. That's where that submissiveness man. Because while you're and then we got away from dating. You know, we, because if we date more than one guy, we're a whore. And we got away from that. And, and, and it's needed to date because if you put all your eggs in one basket and that's your only choice, of course you're going to like it. So it's like you should date before you even get married because you can find out things about yourself and, and maybe you don't even want to be married. So I think that's the number one thing we have to do is stop treating these boyfriends as husbands because it devalues marriage in the long run. And then when you are married, let me say this, my husband and I, we still date each other. So the same thing it took exactly. to get him, baby, <laughs> Continue to do it, you know, and I'm being real. And even to the men, whatever you do, continue to date. I love date night with my husband. You know, um, I love to get a text or a phone call and say, hey, be dressed and ready. When I get there, we're going on a date. What? I'm like, look, okay. Right. Miss <laughs> right. Andrea. And so I think, I think. Go ahead, Denise. Okay, Go ahead. Andrea. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Denise. Go ahead. I was just stuck on that because you have to 
can. Like I said, I gave up 22 years of my life. You know what I'm saying? That's two marriages, you know, and I wasn't even married. I, I wasn't even engaged, but one time in this whole outfit. So it's like, don't sell yourself short. And I know mm -hmm. sometimes it's a struggle maybe because something that we lacked as kids, we seek it in these relationships. That's not healthy either because they're not going to be that your dad. They're not your dad. They're not your mom. And I'm just not speaking right. to young, um, uh, I mean, adults. I'm, I mean, women, I'm speaking to men as well. You know what I'm saying? Just be sure that you love your own. I can't even stress that enough. If you cannot love yourself enough, there is no way that you can love somebody else. And I know it sounds cliche, but it's so true. And my thing is, if you believe in Jesus Christ, and if you believe in him as your savior, start there. Because there's a lot of things that Jesus Christ will help you identify about you mm -hmm. that you need to work on and when it's time for you to be married it's more like what are you bringing to the table help me instead of what can i get what kept to save me you know be it man or woman that's it and and, and that's that's i think that's what causes the mm -hmm. In February, we have teen dating violence coming up. And I always tell people that those words shouldn't even go together. There's no <laughs> way you should even say teen and dating violence okay. after that. It shouldn't even happen. But we see that because of, I think, as she said, what we're coming up into. And we see things, these stereotypical relationships that everybody wants so i say people are looking for that dominant man and they're looking for that relationship to where he's taking care of you and he's holding it down and all of this but yet we we gravitate toward the ones who say they're doing that but haven't mm -hmm. proved that they can do that right and 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 to kind of backtrack a little bit when when you talk about those that you were saying all the different types of um violence the psychological and the physical we don't take that into consideration when we're looking for that person but yet when you sit down even if you sit down with someone and they look at that power and control wheel and you tell them to highlight all the stuff they've been through and when they get through that thing look like a christmas tree Right. And that's when they say, oh, dang, I'm a domestic violence victim. When did that happen? But it's because they didn't take time to understand what a relationship really looked like. Right. And um, when you look at the statistics for the teen dating violence, it says nearly one in 11 females and about one in 15 males high school students report having experienced physical dating violence in the last year. And about one in nine females and one in 36 males reported having experienced sexual dating violence in the last year. That right there. And, yeah, that. And then I think it's important too that men are included 
in these conversations because they are victims as well. And we don't, mm -hmm. a lot of times, we don't like to include them as being victims, but they're victims too because you have females out here getting physical with them and and, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of stuff like that. And now one thing I wanted to add it on a previous, um, you know, conversation was the enablers, women enable men. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many people can agree with but women enable men when they say, okay, I'm going to hold you down. Okay, babe, I got that. Okay, babe, what do you want? That's enabling him, and it stops him from being a man. You have to let a man be a man. And it's no, you can't buy them because no matter how much money you throw out there, when that man wants to go be a man, he's going to be a man. Period. Not saying all men cheat. Absolutely not. Not at all. But, you know, it happens. Men and women cheat. <laughs> men and women cheat. But, you know, don't quit enabling them. You know what I'm saying? Because contrary to what we believe, the family structure, biblically, is the man provides. Not saying it's wrong with anything a woman can do for herself. There's nothing wrong with that. But the man is the natural provider. So I think that we need to stop patty caking these new age men to thinking that, hey, I'm going to be the breadwinner. No, sir. I'm just going to do this until you could get on your feet. So you need to be working on getting on your feet. And I'm going to piggyback on that. Um, enablers are not just the women. But we have mothers and sisters who enable, you know, um, they enable, you know, him. Oh, I can't believe he done that. Or, you know, afterwards, if you come to the mom and you tell her, well, your son hit me. Or she said, well, what happened to you? Oh, your son hit me. And they asked, well, what did you do? What? Or they said, well, the next time he do it, call the police. Then when you call the police and start the process, They'll call you. Why did you do that? What did you do? Baby, stop enabling him. You're not helping him. Right. You know, right. and y'all, I get I get real serious when I talk about this. You know, my team will tell you I'm real serious when I, you know, because I want people to understand. Don't tell me one thing and I do what you told me to do. And then you're going to catch an attitude with me. No, <laughs> you told me to do it. Mr. Hannon. Yes. Let's hear from you. <laughs> so I totally agree with what you, what you just said uh, about enablers. Um, I just had a conversation with my with my wife about that today, and we were talking about um, we're talking about relationships and casualties of relationships, and it was it was only it was on the side of how casual relationships are nowadays that you never get a full commitment of actually that you're actually in a dating relationship, that you're actually in a full on relationship. They use terminologies mm -hmm. like we're talking or we're dealing with each other. And it's never fully committed. It's never fully committed. So the waters are murky. So whenever you have that, that murky water in a relationship, it, 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 they keep it that way so it could be fluid. So they move in and move out that way. But I totally agree with what you said about, um, Enablers, enablers are, you know, I, I used to tell, you know, my wife and to tell my daughters because I have three daughters. 
I used to tell them if you if you have a man who 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 isn't good to you or he's a mama's boy or or you can look at the the last woman or the next one or the la uh, the, the next woman before you. That's the reason why he's acting that way. Well, that's the reason the reason why he is that person. He had somebody that enabled him to to put up with his mess and put up with his to put up with his uh, drama and uh, uh, theatrics. So I agree with that. One of the as an adult eyes, I look at a movie and I hate it now that I, that I talk about as an as an adult now. I, I but I reference it because it was I thought it was a cool movie when I was younger, and the movie was called Baby Boy. And then have any yeah. of you ever seen it? Yeah. Yes. Well, that's the classic. I, I look at that now for the classic case of who not whom the young men are portraying, but who young men are becoming. Um they they're serial daters or serial cheaters. Um a lot of them stay with their mamas. A lot of them, a lot of them are mama's boys. Um they don't know how to have a, a good relationship because they don't have a, they don't have a good relationship with any other male figure um, that's in their that's in their house because the, any male figure that came in their house they view it as competition between their mother and their uh, them. Mm -hmm. So if you don't so have that good, male, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Mister. I was going to say if you don't have that good male relationship, how do you know how to become a man? How do you know how to become a man? Who's teaching you how to become a man? It's the woman that's there is teaching you how to become a man, which she doesn't have experience because she's not a man. So you're getting you're getting taught something that that you're not experienced in, and the person that's teaching you is not experienced in. So whenever we whenever you have mama's boys, I, man, my wife also had this conversation too today. Well, she said, you think that the mamas that's in those relationships are actually leading it or actually doing it. But think about it. It's actually the kids that are manipulating the parents. But just think about this. You could have two women, your mother and your girlfriend or your wife fighting over you. And that's how they keep it. That's how they want to keep it. <laughs> Ooh, that's a little deep. Um, but that's real. You know, we see that. Um, and, and I can speak, you know, as I say, I'm an open book. Um, I remember after my, after my marriage, I just started dating guys. I became a magnet to abusers, but I didn't realize this guy would financially, he would give me anything that I wanted, but I had to play my position. Okay. I could have been just let with him. And then see him with his girlfriend, wife, or whoever, and couldn't say anything. Nobody even could begin to explain to me how I supposed to feel, you know. Um, but I didn't. I didn't see it as a form of abuse. I was like, okay, I'm just playing my position, got my bills paid, and that's how I seen it. Sometimes, sometimes women like that sometimes women want that and i just don't understand and, and you know what i i can i can say for myself the reason why i because i dealt with something like that and the reason why i did it gave me a break I, I really at that time i didn't care okay 
good. You know what I'm saying? But that was me at the time, not knowing better. You know what I'm saying? So it's like sometimes, and, and it's not okay for those who are out there doing it and you hear me saying don't do that because it's not okay mm -hmm. because it eats away at you you're comp compromising so much of yourself and you don't want to do that because you'll be trying to find yourself in your 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 later years but i did that and it was like okay cool you know i was kind of cool with it but in other ways i really wasn't you know, so it, it can get a little bipolar in there, <laughs> but you know, some, some women like it. Some women, you know, the way I look at it now, though, Denise, like, um, and you guys know that I'm really real. Um, now that I look back at it, you know, I didn't realize emotionally how much it tore me down. Um, and then, um, also I didn't realize how much I was devaluing my own self, you know, um, I was pleasing him and pleasing myself financially, um, but it's not worth it. A peace of mind is always better than anything else to me. Um, Say that again. We, a, peace, <laughs> a peace of mind is always better than anything else to me. Yeah. So we're going to go to like some of the comments that's in the um, um, that I have, I have one person that says this is really serious. That makes it even more dangerous, especially if they have children. And I'm glad they brought this up. How can you be safe when their whole family chooses to say they stand out of it? Wanda, do you want to elaborate? Sure. Um, um, Wow. Uh, when your family says they're staying out of it, a lot of times people don't get their family involved in it. That's for one. But for the families that say they uh, for, I guess in my situation, it was church related. And so his family was staying out of it. Um, the reason why? Because it's, again, not only the shame that would bring be brought on upon the family, but the shame that would be brought at that time, they were worried about the church. Right. And so um, that's why a lot of people stay out of it. And really and truly, I go back to the statement I said earlier, we are fixers and we haven't been taught how to handle domestic violence. Girl, he ain't gonna come after me. Uh -uh, I ain't gonna, uh -uh, he gonna come after me. So that's why we don't get involved. Um, a lot of times when we do get involved, we try to fix it um, and say, okay, you tell me because they're so used to being controlled. And then you come and say, oh, girl, you need to do this. I, I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't take that. So in my situation, I had a 12 gauge shotgun to my head. And I had the opportunity to do, to do, to tell about my story at the local college here. And one of the girls uh, inboxed me and she said, I read your story. Girl, it couldn't be me because I would have seen him. I would have did this and that. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, okay, what you going to do with a 12-gauge shotgun to your head? And my, my eight-year-old's car, what you going to do? I'm just trying to get back to that car, baby. I'm trying to live. And so that's a lot of times. And I would say, going back to your question, I, would, I think shame. The shame that it will bring on the family is that that's what keeps and involved and then the other part is they really don't know what to do right i was maybe they're victims you know what i'm saying 
Andrea, I want you to piggyback on this because um, a lot of times people do go to the pastors and, you know, their local leaders and they're told just pray about it. We've seen people pray about it, but they they end up dead. You know, um, what as leaders and with me being a minister, one of the things that I tell the young women all the time, prayer without works is dead. Okay. So if you're not putting together a safety plan, I don't care which, um, which if you don't feel comfortable talking to me or somebody in my organization, let me refer you somewhere so you can get help. And as leaders in the church, we need us, you know, and I, I believe in prayer. I know what the power of prayer can do, but um, I remember being at a local event in my hometown and one of the pastors got up. He said, oh, you know, all they should. Baby, we don't lost the whole family. You don't think that she was praying? We need more. You know, we, we need more. We need we need um, pastors to get out and be educated on what domestic violence is. We need, you know, if they can't come, send your deacons, send your um, ministers, send who, your armor bears, because they're going to come talk to you. Send somebody be educated on it because if not, again, you know, and I, I always go to the Bible with scriptures, you know, when they come to me, look, forever dot works is dead. If they don't start getting a safety plan, you know, they came to you because they trust you. A lot of times, as one of you guys said, right. we have to learn to listen. A lot of times you get more information by being quiet and listening than you do by running your mouth. They've already been torn down. You know, um, especially in a domestic violence situation, you hear that you're stupid. You hear that nobody wants you. You hear that you're not worth it. You know, um, nobody wants you because you have children. You know, who's going to take care of you like I do? But I'm glad that the, um, the viewer brought up the children because do people realize the effects that domestic violence have on children? Miss Andrea? Well, you done just left a mouthful and then <laughs> tell me to come back behind all of that. <laughs> so, I'm going to try to backtrack and, and kind of and put all that together. So here, here's my view on things. 
one, I remind people when they get into a relationship that every relationship is going to have the same aspects. There needs to be communication, there needs to be some boundaries, and there need to be some some rules set out. And if you can find someone who is either a abuser or victim, they're probably treating everybody like that. So if you've been run over by your mate, you probably got a good, good girlfriend that's doing the same thing to you. She's that one that keeps borrowing stuff and never bring it back. Always mm-hmm. asking you for money and don't never remember to give it back to you. You know, and so we and then we go into work. So that's happening in work too. So I need people to understand that. When we talk about these relationships, it's not just the intimate partner relationship. These are all your relationships. So, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get to where I'm going. I'm gonna make it quick, but I wanted I saw yeah. <laughs> I, I saw over here. I wanted to bring that into um, someone put over here as why do people always co- attract that same controlling person? So I want to understand as as we talked about and Miss Rhonda talked about. We're nurturers. By nature, women are nurturers. We're made to love you, to hold you, to cuddle you, to make you feel all good and fuzzy and warm. That's our job. But there seems to be, there needs to be some pieces in that to go with it. So when people gravitate toward people that they see are nurturers, that's all they're seeing. It's not that you are attracting abusers. It's that the nurturers understand, I mean, the, the takers understand who the givers are. And so if the givers don't have any boundaries, the takers keep taking until, until they use you up and then they go to the next person. These are the things that are not being taught in our churches to bring it on back around into the churches. So I've been over this past year trying to talk to people, and especially with COVID now it's worse because I had to remind people that domestic violence was a pandemic before COVID started. Absolutely. And it only got worse because of now we have given the perpetrator legal reasons to isolate you from everybody else. I heard somebody say, oh, well, um, child abuse is gone down. Child abuse ain't gone down. The reporting's just gone down. Don't be stupid. And yeah, I said the S word. But when we look at things like that, what are the churches doing? So out of fear of this pandemic, forgetting the original pandemic, out of fear of the pandemic of COVID, our churches are not meeting. Our churches are barely having their online things, but they're not getting in contact with our people. There needs to be some support groups. There need to be some conversations like this in the churches. So if you're not going to meet in person, you need to be putting some eyes on everybody. You need to be going, Mr. Hennett, is your wife treating you okay today? 
you know, Ms. Rhonda, how, how is that relationship? But those things you don't, because, and, and I did a, a thing talking the other day, when you start having these uh, people talking about they having virtual Thanksgiving and Christmases, you need to be looking all up in that camera behind them to see what's going on in that house. Because somebody's trying to send you a signal that they need to get out. And we need to be listening. Did I even answer your question? I tried to put it all in one. You did. Miss <laughs> Rhonda, I see you came off mute. I did because I, I do want to say this. When when she said about the church officials, that it kind of hit home for me because uh, the guy that assaulted me and he's actually serving 27 years. Um, that's how bad it was. Um, his grandmother was the head mother. So I couldn't go to the motherboard, right? So I tried to go to the sisterhood. His sister was over the sisterhood. Um, I went to the deacons because I had a, a young son and my nephew also witnessed it. Um, the deacons was, let me ask my wife if I can talk to you because you're a single mom. So that left me wounded from church. It's only by the grace of God that I still love God and I still have that zeal for God. Um, but that put a wound, I mean, a deep wound in my, uh, in my heart because of the fact that the people that was supposed to have been there for me, they, they were caught up in the feelings and not the reality. Not the fact that take away everything else that had happened. This was a, a, uh, a, a person that was uh, sexually assaulted was beaten, that was raped. And and we're just going to, because they're family, we're going to cover it up. And because it's in the church. And so it took that therapy you were talking about, it took that therapy for me to actually talk about therapy, uh, going, talking over the trauma, because I had to talk about the layers of the mother. I mean, I remember going to church and at that time, my old church, um, we had to walk up and pay your tithes. When I would walk up to pay my tithes, his family members would bump me. And I'm like, okay, God, one more time now. One more time. We're going to okay, Lord. <laughs> and then it was where my son would play outside with the kids. All kids play outside at the church. My mama don't like your mama. And so I had, I had mm. to make a hard decision. I love my pastor. I love him. And God rest his soul. He died a couple of weeks ago from COVID. But um, I, I loved him, but he was not equipped to handle it because of his... The, I, I guess the best way to describe it was his his lack of knowledge, because it, it was a, around what you said earlier that center with prayer, but not being aware of what domestic violence is. What and that's why I said domestic violence in the church happens all too often. I can count women after women that would come here to visit me, and would say I've been there too, but I just didn't talk about it. And so that was another thing that birthed my ministry. I'm going on mute now. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Hannett? I'm not giving the church a pass on that. I'm not giving the church a pass on them not being educated enough because if, you, if you're seeing domestic violence is not in the Bible, it's a lie. And okay, I'll, I'll say, that, say, that, say that some people haven't seen it or haven't read it. Say it's not in the Bible. 
It tells how a husband is supposed to treat his wife. Exactly. It tells how a husband is supposed to love his wife. Right. It, tells, it tells it tells how you're not supposed to treat uh, children. It tells how you're not supposed to treat other people. So when someone comes to you and tells you that I'm being beaten, my husband is abusing me, or my boyfriend is abusing me I'm in a different violent relationship, there is no okay. Let me figure it out. If you say because I, I always love to hear church pastors always say this. Well, what the words say? What does the word say? What does the word say? So whenever whenever they come and ask, whenever they come and say, I want to, you know, let me figure this out. Or let me I'm not giving them a the pass on it because they know they know how you're supposed to they know how you're supposed to treat a human, just human decency. So it, it, if someone is coming to you and telling you that they need help, then what are you doing? We talk about churches being a refuge, a place of solace. And, the, and uh, uh, someone in your flock can't come to you and tell you that and, and explain to you that they're being hurt. They're being physically abused or physically hurt. And you have to find out. You have to get with other church leaders and, and form a committee to find out what's happening. I, I think every church, sh because domestic violence is, 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 is happening so much that everybody should have this in their, in their church. Everybody right. should have have some outreach or some advocacy for domestic violence. In any church that you go to, you need to look at what they're doing in the outreach in that community. Because if you're only just tending to the flock, what do the flock graze at? If you're not doing anything in the community to help to help build up the community to help, your flock is eating off is eating from that from that community. So whenever 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 you pick a church or pick a church home, look at their outreach. Look at what they're doing. See if they're actually doing anything for domestic violence. See if they're actually doing anything for homeless or mentally or mental illness. I don't like I said. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not giving them a, a pass on that. I have. I wholeheartedly have an issue with the hypocrisy of of church and domestic violence because it's been such. It's been swept under the rug for so long, and so many pastors are abusers, or they know ministers are abusers, and they let it slide. I, I, I can't. I can't give them a pass on it. I want to see. I want to. Faith without works is dead. I want to see what works you're doing in your community. Yes. And that's what I love about my pastor. Um, he has, you know, I educate them a lot, you know, and the different trainings that, you know, open up to me. Um, you know, I include him in them. So, he can, you know, with him pastoring two churches, he's able to help. Um, if he ever get in a standstill, he'll say, let me call my minister and bring her in, you know. So it's never, um, oh, don't do this. You know, just pray. It's never that. And I like what you said, Mr. Hennett, but a lot of times the reason a lot of pastors don't want to talk about it is because it has a name. It's called spiritual abuse, where they use the word against you, you know, and they tell you, what do the Bible say? This is also, this is what people need to understand. The Bible says study and show thyself approved. So if you study the word yourself and they say, well, what do the Bible say? The Bible said that my man should love me the way Christ loved the church. The Bible say, Start giving them back what the Bible say, or what you know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm truly Christian. You know, I know other people believe other stuff, but I even say to them, get what get 
learn learn what the Bible say and give it back to them. A lot of times people don't want to address what they're doing. Meaning, um, a lot of times pastors don't want to address because they're walking around telling the first lady, you're stupid. Um, I brought you up. I made you this. I made you that. You know, um, if it wasn't for me being a televangelist, this, that, and the other, you wouldn't have. That you're abusing her. You're tearing her down. But yet you want her to go sit on the front row with a lid's cross, her little drift down to her ankles and be okay. So when everybody else come to her and say something to her, yeah, I'm blessed and highly favored in the Lord. <laughs> so you no, I just left home with the devil. <laughs> be real with it. But you know, in the church, but the thing is though, in the church is that, that let's just say, let's just look at the pastor who's actually handling his business at home, right? Let's look at the good pastor. We, we already know about the bad one. Let's talk about the good one. They're still not doing anything in the churches. They're still not supporting in the churches. And I asked somebody once, I said, you the first lady. Why aren't you spearheading some of these things in your church? Why haven't you put up and say, honey, we need to have some support groups for these women. Mm-hmm. Instead of denying it's happening in your church because your sisters don't look like that. Y'all can have your parties to talk about your new hair. You can have a party talking about how you're putting your eyelashes on. You can have a party to go out and, and talk about your Gucci's and your Louis Vuitton and all this stuff. But you can't talk about how you can put on God's love and understanding in a relationship you know and 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 we don't even teach our young girls anymore how a gift their virginity is and how to save themselves we send them out into the schools unarmored they don't know how to deal with it we give them a little phone and they talking to folks all over everywhere. everywhere. Mm. Now, I'm going to tell you. I'm, I'm going to give you this with my you. So, I went into the schools when I first started doing this. Because I have kids. For those of you who don't know, I've raised 11 kids. So, I thought, I know how to deal with teens. I got this. I'm ready to go, right? So, I go in and I ask these kids about... Um, my first thing, like the little get to know you is tell me your name, tell me your first name, tell me your age, and tell me a cool tip. A cool tip is one of those things your parents always telling you, you wish they shut up, but they tell you anyway. Right? We all got one of those. You remember because you're telling your kids now, right? Right. So they start saying, do your homework, clean your room. One little boy said everything every morning before i leave school my mama tell me to rap before i tap it <laughs> i said how old are you Fifteen. i said i'm not your mama but i'm telling you better keep it in your pants unwrapped if you're gonna wrap it up just wrap it on up and keep it in your pants well, see, those are the things, and I know everybody, somebody's out there saying, well, I'd rather her tell him that than him to go out and have unprotected sex. No, what I would rather is him not have sex at all at 15. 
unmarried because I had six girls. I'm going to need somebody to not. Okay. But the thing is, that's where our society is with our youth. That's why we can have youth dating violence. Mm -hmm. That's why our daughters feel like if they reach 16 and still virgins that they're different because the churches are not doing their job. The families are not doing their job. Mm-hmm. The, the schools are, are doing some things that are not kosher to any of us. And so if you see domestic violence in your home, you go to the church and you see the abuse in the church you go to school and listen to your friends tell you about what you're supposed to do and what's cool. How do you have a fighting chance by the time you get 18? You don't. You're stuck. Can you hear and me? so we, mm-hmm. no, we can. We can. You're right. Um, you, you're right, Miss Andrea. And one of the other things um, I want you to hit on, because like you said, in the school, the school teaches our children sex education. That was one of the things that was brought in in the last roundtable. But they teach them what, you know, their body parts, they teach them all of this. And a lot of people have been so reliant on the school to teach them that we don't teach them anything. And then if they, they teach them something we don't approve of, we're upset. Can That's I say true. one so, thing about that? When you fail when you fail to teach your kids anything, you leave them to learn it on their own. And with mm-hmm. social media being right. such a great platform, it's like they're mm-hmm. go and Google everything they need to know. Google, Google, mm-hmm. Google. And it's like if we are not ahead of the game. You know what I'm saying? If we don't get ahead of the game, because she made a great point, there are to be some somewhere we can go to get this type of help, this type of education. If we don't stay ahead of our kids, they're going to go and learn it from social media. They're going to go and learn it from, from their peers in the next best mm-hmm. thing that they feel to do. So I think that in, like I said, in this age of social media, even with, um, a whole lot has changed, even with stress. And I was, I'll probably get ready to get ahead of it, so I'm going to slow down. It has a lot of influence on our kids today. You, it, It's like the hottest thing, they call it um, influencers. You know, let an, influence, an influencer do something or speak something or say something is okay. Everybody's going to do it. And I think as parents, and it even goes back to kids having kids. You know what I'm saying? Um, now it's like kids having kids at 13. It's it been kids having kids at 13 and 14. But mm-hmm. you have to understand the dynamic, the family dynamic fell off. And when that family dynamic fell off, the don't talk to them boys, no boys. You know what I'm saying? There was an issue with now where I grew up. Ain't no, I'm not having company at my mom and daddy's house. Ain't ain't no boys coming over here. Ain't no boys. And he definitely ain't spending the night. Exactly. Right there. They spend the night. They live there. They they 
close the doors, do whatever they want to do. But that was like none of that. So it's like the whole family dynamic. And then when speaking about the church, I want to say something about that because I do believe that God understands and knows that we're not everybody that's in church is not perfect because he gave seven promises for the overcomers. So he knew that there were issues going to be in there some somewhere. So it's like when we say the leaders, we need to pray for them as well, if not harder, mm -hmm. because they are our leaders. And there is no excuse because there should be a certain transparency. I don't care if it is my mama's church or my daddy's church, I should be able to stop somewhere in one of those ministers and there'll be enough transparency for you to minister to me because this is not your church. You're just in the body. So I think that people need to re revolt back to righteousness and holiness and yes. understand mm -hmm. what you're dealing with because the God that we say we serve just as real as I'm sitting here talking to you. And he told me, there's no way you could get in the word and things not move. There's no way you could get in the word of God and things not change. And, and it's all going to change the good and the bad. Because when I got in the word, so much negativity started happening. But that was a test to me. Are you going to uplift me? Or am I still mm -hmm. going to be your God? Are you going to curse me? Or are you going to worship me? Am I still going to be that everlasting sovereign king of yours when this, when Satan biting your heels? So it's like we really have to get in a real relationship with Christ. And people, be, and for me, it was like I was so intimidated by a pastor, by a prophet, because I'm thinking that in some way, the same God that I'm serving. I can't approach you because you in the word of God and this and you so purged and this, this and third, no ma'am, because we're all part of one body, one band, one sound, one God, one King. And we come together in this kingdom under one God in one spirit. So when it comes down to us saying, okay, well, I'm a minister or I'm a prophet or I'm a pastor. Are you really? You know what I'm saying? And there you have to understand. You have to be able to admit, admit I have problems too. I've been there. I go there. I do that. So it's like there should be, you should be able to trust a minister. And, and don't go in there with prejudgments because you're talking to another human being. Yes, they probably going through domestic violence. Hey, they're probably the abuser, but that's not my mm -hmm. place. You know, if I come and talk to you and I talk to you, I'm not responsible for, and you, you leading me wrong. I'm not responsible for that because you're worshiping God. You're God. You belong to God. And I think people just need to take God a little bit more serious because it's not a mystical you say and pray and you get no ma'am. First, you have to be part of his kingdom in order for anything to work. And I tell people, you can't even think to think about God. You, you don't even have the cognitive ability to think about God unless he allows you to think about him. So if you're thinking about God and you're hungry after God, you have a calling on your life. 
And maybe it's you that'll free them up. Maybe it's you that'll free them from domestic violence. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's you. So we all have to think about that. And little old bumbling little old you. Yes, you, you. A little insignificant you. That's the first Girl, I almost went to church. <laughs> Girl. But yeah, but it's but so I'm true. I'm sorry. No, you fine, honey. You fine. Awareness is awareness. And, you know, I'm strong with my belief in God, you know. Um, but, honey, you had all our attention. We were all looking at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> um, but um, we also have, um, we have a question um, for the panel. It says, how will one go about the healing process after witnessing such violence that happened during childhood and now have developed um, into a mental illness as adults? It's difficult to find the right type of help and support. I'll answer that. Um, your help is looking for help can be multifaceted, meaning that you can pick different ways to heal from it. Um, I, I probably would say you would probably get, uh, physical help, um, see if there is physical scars or physical damage that's been done to you, then I would say you need to look for mental health, help for your mental for for your mental mm-hmm. um because the 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 mental illness that you develop you have to find out the root cause of it and finding out the root cause is going to help you determine how you heal from and later on down the line or what else you may develop down the line um and then too i would also say healing uh healing for your soul Seeing that much, seeing trauma and abuse as a child, you can't process. As a child, you're looking at it through childlike eyes and you're seeing adult things that's happening. And you're not understanding it. So if you're an adult and you've seen that as a child and you haven't got cleansed or you haven't got healing, you know, I talk about, you know, um, picking a church that suits you or a church home or a leader that suits you. Find that person that you can talk to, that you can build a trust and build a bond with. Um, that's not gonna, that's not going to um, take your trust for granted or your, the bond that you build with them for granted. Uh, find them, build build a relationship with them, not necessarily with the church, but with a singular person. That way, you can have something to ping off of when it comes to you relating to the Bible and church and and a person, because then. If you become like some people that's been been churcher, you're not just left out here without a home. So I would like I said, it's, it's multifaceted as far as as following the healing process of it. But I think I do think it, you know, it all 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 of it needs to be done because if you just work on the mental, you're not you're not worried about the physical, then you're not worried about the, the, the spiritual side of it. None of that gets none of that gets healed. And then you're you're left, you know, patchwork healed. It means that something is still something is still down in you that's not fixed, that's not correct, that's not right. So until you get all of those healed, until you get all of those looked at and talked about, and um, 
check it out. You're never going to completely heal from it. Because one of the things I do talk about <laughs> in my own personal testimony, I talk about how I've been married four times. And the reason why I've been married four times is because every each each marriage that I have that, that I was married to, they all had some form of an abuse in it. So they weren't healed from their abuse that they suffered. So it was it was hindering our marriage. And then two, I wasn't I wasn't as knowledgeable as I am now about domestic violence. So I didn't know how to talk to them either. So on my end, I didn't know how to talk to them because I couldn't tell what was going on with them. And they weren't healed from their own personal personal strife or personal um, issues that they had going on with them. They had mental illness. They had mental health problems. They had problems with trust. They had problems with, you know, building a bond with, with other people or, or uh, building other relationships. They made toxic relationships. In turn, that made a toxic marriage. And I say too, when and a lot of times in the healing process. Go ahead, baby. Oh, I was just gonna say when she asked how to start that healing process, and and as he said, you're gonna have to take the holistic approach and pull all of those in. But you need to go when you start talking to a mental health expert. You can't just go out there and find a therapist. It no. needs to be someone who is trauma focused. Right who understands, ask them how many people have they dealt with with domestic violence? Do they understand the ramifications that that of the trauma? Have they dealt with PTSD people? Because that's basically what that mental illness is coming after. It's because you've lived in a war zone. Your youth, you were in a war zone. The chance is 60, it says 60% of the children who have lived in domestic violence um, homes grow up to either be an abuser or a victim so you've probably now 60 there's a 60 percent chance that as an adult you've lived in a war zone and we fail to to think of these families as war zones but that's really what it is your cortisol levels stay up that's causing you some harm that that level that keeps you fight or flight and freeze you're doing all of that you're having to watch because you know we laughing now but i need to know when it's gonna stop when it gonna hit me you you can't even accept the 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 fun times because you know they're gonna come to an end and you don't know when it's gonna be that one little thing that you're gonna say that's gonna pop him off and i know i always say he and she and he because and I understand that males are abused, but ninety over ninety percent of them are women. So I feel okay. And plus, God called me to the women. Um, Dwayne gonna have to deal with the men. We already had that conversation. <laughs> I, I, always, I always say that ninety percent of abusers look like me. Right. So, but I just wanted I just wanted to say that that it does needs to be a holistic approach. Because the conversation needs to be going deep into what that felt like as a child and dealing with that and coming up with some forgiveness. So that's one thing we forget to talk to our victims about. When you come out of that, and I did hear, I think it was Denise I heard talk about forgiveness. She had to learn to forgive herself and come into that. So that's going to be part of it. So the answer of how do you do that, a lot of hard work take that holistic approach like he said but but part of it is don't just take any therapist when you go to get one 
because I've heard people say, oh, I went to therapy, it didn't even work. No, you didn't do the work. And I believe Renata <laughs> done told you about that. But that person does need to be trauma focused and they need to understand what you've been through. And if you go to one that's trauma focused, they will teach you coping skills um, where you can cope with, you know, things that would normally flare you up. Um, one of my biggest things were um, was, you know, I didn't know how to deal when somebody came at me. You know what I mean? Like um, as soon as they will come at me or raise their voice, it sent me into almost like a, um, a rage because now I want to get you before you get me. So that's why I love my therapist because, you know, with the coping skills now, I just look at you and it's like, are you okay? They just, I I'm okay. You know, um, I'll walk away. You know, sometimes I have to account and I know people like she talking to herself, baby, I ain't talking to myself. I'm coping right now. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying not, I'm trying not to bring out bone Quisha, you know, I'm trying to stay. <laughs> you know, um, Bernita right now, but no, seriously, on a serious note, um, as, um, Andrea said, your therapist needs to fit you. Um, and I want to clarify, you know, going to counseling and going to therapy, two different things, two different things. Um, I'm also a life coach. And a lot of times when people come to me, listen, I'm here to help you get yourself on track. I can't fix your problems. You know, I'm not the therapist. I, I'm not your counselor, you know, but I still need you to go get a therapist. I still need you to go get a counselor. And, you know, if I don't have time now, I know Miss Rhonda does it as well. It's through these round tables. Like I'm finding other people where I can say, listen, my plate is full. Let me, let me contact somebody else for you. And that's why I love the roundtables because we're able to network, um, bring awareness and really give people more resources than we have before. Um, and so, I, I mean, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm full, but you know, it's, it's all worth it. Um, in the end, a lot of times guys, when people are going through domestic violence, um, they're always told it's your fault. Um, how do we, uh, how do we educate them? So they'll understand it's not your fault. You know, um, in my situation, if I disagreed with my first husband, you know, it went into a, it was crazy. So I really felt like, you know, okay, well, if I don't say anything, you know, some of the things that I say, it might piss them off, you know? Or if I voice my opinion, it upsets him. So there's somebody that's watching, somebody that's going through right now. What do we say to him or what do we say to her to let them know that it's not their fault? We're going to start with Miss Andrea and come down. Miss Andrea, I believe you're on mute. Again, there I go. <laughs> See, I call myself trying not to be noisy, 
But what I, I talk to people about that, and I said often that you know people start believing that in themselves. But you need to understand one is you can only control yourself, and although that person is able to push these things onto you, you didn't make them make that decision. Your decisions you make are part of yours. And I tell everybody, I'm, I'm an advocate for life ownership. I need you to own your ish and I need you to let them own theirs. And so when you own your piece of it, and that may have been ignoring those red flags, thinking you can fix them, thinking that if you just give him some time, he'll, he'll come around. Those may be the things that you have to own and forgive yourself for doing. But I need you to not own his because I'm going to need him and, and I'm going to need that abuser to own their own. And so just having that conversation of who we can control and who we can't and, and a reminder that domestic violence is a power control issue. It's not an anger issue. It's not a drug issue. There's some correlation in there, but there's no causation in there. And so when we can go in and say, OK, they did that anyway then I can go back and say, where was I when it happened? And I didn't make that decision. And a question for you, I'm Miss Andrea. Normally, like when we, um, I've sat through domestic violence um, court and um, they'll say, well, what do you, what, what do you think? Do you think they need anger management? And that's when I remind them it's not an anger issue. But the thing mm -hmm. is, you have to bring the judges and them to understand that. But then the problem is they don't know where else to send them because there's so many, there's so few classes out there for the abuser. And that's what they need. You know, and and because we don't have that many you know, people are not looking at that. People don't want to, everybody wants to fund helping the victim, but nobody wants to fund helping the perpetrator. And so in, in, in the game of things, that anger issue might help him with his anger because he probably mm -hmm. got some of them too, but it's not going to help the domestic violence thing because it's a control issue, not an anger issue. Um. Miss Vivian said you have to reprogram their mind in the way they think. Um, I do apologize for stepping out of place or saying something that you might not agree with. No, actually, um, an abuser mind needs to be reprogrammed. Um, mm -hmm. as Andrea yeah. said, that was one of the things at our last roundtable. Um, we talked about there's a lot of help for the victim or the survivor, but there's no help for an abuser who wants change. And understand what I said, an abuser who wants change, all of them do not want change. There are a vast few, a vast few that wants change, that recognize what they've done or their behaviors are wrong. Not all of them agree that, you know, again, you know, they like to point blame, but I like what Miss Andrea said, you know, own own what you do. Own that you were wrong. You know, own it. Um, that's the only way you can truly get the help that you need. You have to own it. Mm 
Mr. Hennett. That's the first part of Mm -hmm. Um, so I believe wholeheartedly in, you know, having just, just to piggyback off what you just said, uh, having abusers become accountable for their actions, then there's not a lot of programs that make, that make abusers be accountable. Their, their job is, well, not their job, but their characteristics is to manipulate they manipulate the abuser, they manipulate the court system, they manipulate law enforcement, they manipulate everybody. They're used to getting by and getting over on people. So whenever there is, you know, um, time for them to be held accountable, they're not being held accountable. They're only, they're only seeing the punishment, which the punishment doesn't do any good because they're sitting in jail stewing about blaming the, the abuser. This is your fault. You're the reason why not taking the accountability on their actions. Now, as far as um, your question, how do you let them know that it's not their fault? Um, I try to be a good example of, or, or something different than they haven't seen. Um, I try to live my life where I respect pretty much all women. Um, like I said, I have three daughters myself, so I tell them, you know, when it comes to dating, you know, have, have higher standards than me. If your boyfriend is it at least me, he got to go. He got to go. You want somebody that's better. I want somebody that's better than me. I want you to have somebody that's better than me. I don't want you to have somebody that's, that's lower than me. I, I, I consider myself a pretty high standard guy. So, <laughs> so, so when you say, when I say, you know, when I say, you know, they got to at least be me, I'm putting myself at a high bar. So if they ain't at least beating that bar, you know, they have, you know, definitely got to pick somebody else. You know, don't bring them home. Don't bring them to me. But whenever whenever I I, I, I treat someone and, and have an interaction with, especially with, you know, females, I try to be, you know, a good example of, of a gentleman or what a man is supposed to be. I do open doors. I do, you know, let people walk women in front of me. I do say, excuse me. I do stand up. You know, I do everything to, to, to try to make, you know, someone feel safe, to feel comfortable around me because you never know what's going on in someone else's life. So I may be the only example of a decent or good man that they've seen. I, I give you I give an example. I used to do this for a job for every Mother's Day. I used to give all my employee white roses. I used to give them all white roses, all white roses and stuff like that. And I ran across one woman who said that she had never gotten a Mother's Day rose from her boyfriend. And that was the first time that she had ever gotten flowers on Mother's Day. So whenever I whenever I, I go to some place of employment and stuff like that, I find out moms and stuff like that, you know, because that may be, I may be the, the, the best example that they have, the best example that they've seen so far. So when I when I when when that question came about, how do you Tell them that it's not their fault that you're not supposed to be treated this way. You're not supposed to have someone that's abusing you, that's taking advantage of you, that's that's taking your kindness for weakness. That's not how a man's supposed to treat you. There are good examples of men. And sometimes you just have to walk away from the bad example that you had. When you I know another saying is when you when you know better, you do better. Some of these people, they know better. Some of these abusers, they know better, but they're not doing better. 
sorry guys i didn't realize i was muted i had a whole conversation um, um one of our viewers said elaborate on victim mentality is that saying you want people to feel sorry for you um for me no you're y'all the earphones not working for me so I had to come straight on, but um, victim mentality is to me, um, and I'm going to speak personally, my mentality was at a level where um, I just wanted to feel loved. And so, no, when things was happening to me, it was not my fault. Um, nobody has a right to put their hands on you. Nobody has a right to degrade you. Nobody has a right to make you, you know, to isolate you from those that do love you. Um, sometimes our mentality I have is thinking that um, and, and a manipulator can change your mindset and have you feeling like they're the only ones that care because they don't isolate you from everybody. Um, they're the only ones that's going to take care of you, which they take you through what we call a honeymoon period. Once they, they beat you, abused you, and dragged you through the dirt, they have nowhere to go. Now they want to make you feel okay. You know, um, you made me do it. So this is what we're saying. It's not your fault. Um, I often tell my children, change your word and change your mindset. Meaning, if you value you, you have to change your mindset of thinking that um, this person has total control. This person is the only person for me because if a person has to isolate you to show you love, they don't. They should be able to show you love around everybody. So sometimes what we're saying, well, what I'm saying, and I'll let them answer for themselves is you have to change your mindset, not accept everything that's thrown your way. Um, but value yourself and know your self-worth to the point that when things are happening, you can walk away from it. That's me, Mr. Hennett. Um, I totally agree with that. Uh, I, I support and promote self-worth um, because in a relationship or in an abusive relationship, you're leaving your value up to someone that's devaluing. Um, mm -hmm. He's going to give you the exact what you think think that you're worth because he wants to devalue. He wants to take you. He wants. I mean, you may see yourself as a as a as a as a dime piece or as a silver dollar, as some people like to say. But he may do, he may value you as as a penny and put you where you think that you're worthless. That way, he can treat you like you're worthless. Uh, the, the reason why he wants you to feel that way is to manipulate you. So the abuse, the physical abuse can happen. So, like I said, I promote self-worth and, and knowing your value, knowing that your standards, if, if like, once again, like I said, if, you know, you at least can't meet, you know, standards, standards, then you don't need them. You don't need somebody that's going to bring you down or someone that's going to, that's going to, that's going to drag you down. So, you know, you know the value that you have. The, if if you're a high high minded, high value thinking person, you're not gonna you're not gonna let somebody else devalue you. Right, and I'm gonna say something about the. I'll I'll wait for Miss Rhonda. 
I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> You're fine. You said um, victimization or elaborate um, on victim mentality, and is that saying you want people to feel sorry for you? So no, no, no. Um, well, I've seen it both ways. Um, so um, it was one time I was speaking. This lady said, "Wait a minute, you're you're not the only one to have a story. I got a story too." And so I was like, oh, okay. Um, but but that to me, that was where um she felt as though like her story was not been heard, right? But no, it's not that we want you want people to feel sorry for you. It's just saying um that um you have to channel it back to I think I said it earlier when when it comes to first Corinthians 13 about what love is, right? And sometimes we're in the search for love. And and I think Mr. Hennett mm -hmm. said the best, it's knowing your self-worth and your mm -hmm. non-negotiables. Like now I have so many non-negotiables, non like yeah. mm -hmm. boundaries. Mm -hmm. I think Sister um, Andrea talked about earlier, having those boundaries and, and just knowing like, um, God said, you're the apple of his eye. Why would you settle for something else less than that? Why would you settle for it? That's in that. And so um, we can't get so caught up in um, the fact that we've been wooed or being pursued that um, we would settle, accept right. anything as love. And that was that's what make us a, that, that victim mentality. But because you know your worth, you're not going to settle for anything. Because you've set boundaries, you're not going to settle for anything. And because you have those non-negotiables, you're not going to settle for anything. So you won't be that. You won't have that victim mentality. Right. Miss Clemens. That was it. <laughs> that was it. That was right. It. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but so, and, and it's so, it's so important not to, I know in people, in people, I know they do it, but it's so important to kind of get out of the woe is me. Um, and take accountability, like Miss Andrea was saying, take accountability kind of for yourself, because once you get into that, woe is me, then maybe it's there where you look for the next incident. So the woes can keep coming. But at some place, you're going to have to take accountability for yourself and responsibility for yourself and for your own well-being. Mm -hmm. Like I said before, before any, you can, any type of help, you should, you have to want the help. And before you can get any type of help, you have to acknowledge that you need help. A lot of times people yes. are not healed um, because they won't admit that they've been hurt. You know, um, part of the healing process is it, it's, it's okay to say I've been hurt. It's okay. You know, we don't have to feel shame anymore. Um, you know, let the shame go and let the healing begin. That's important. But the first thing you have to do is one, acknowledge. Listen, I have an issue. Listen, I've been hurt deep down. Maybe you didn't see the scars, you know, but on the inside, you know, deep down inside, the hidden scars are there. You have to, you have to acknowledge it. Just like an abuser, they have to acknowledge, look, I have an issue. You know, um, because it's an issue. 
But if they don't acknowledge it, they're going to keep saying, oh, I didn't do anything. They made me do. Listen, we don't need excuses. We right. need you to acknowledge what you've done. Get the help that you need. But again, as we all stated, you know, through these round tables and, you know, the abusers that want help don't have anywhere to go. So, um, I, I, w I want to say this too. Um, one of the things I think a, a term probably all of us have had it said in our house, what happens in this house stays in our house that has killed the African-American community because what you have done is silence those who want to cry out. I do, uh, like Miss Andre, I have started a mentoring program at a local high school here. And there have been girls in the group setting, they won't talk, but individually, mm -hmm. please don't tell my mama. And they, their mama's boyfriend have been messing with them. But please don't tell my mama. Because she said what happens in this house stays in that. We got to stop that. Your child should feel free enough to come to you and tell you about anything. I have a son. He's 23. He said, mama, da, 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 da. I'd be like, what, son? Oh, my God. I'd be like, whoa, boy, why you tell Jesus? But at the same time, I feel I want him to talk to me. I want to feel open. I don't want to be so holy roly that I, he can't come to me and relate because before I was spiritual, I was flesh. And so I need to be able to relate to him. And when I don't know, I go to God for wisdom. God help me to be able to communicate to my child. God help me be able to articulate what I need to do to, to him. Help me be able to minister that, to that brokenness. But we got to stop that saying what happens in this house stays in this house because that's killing our community. And that was one of the things, you know, yeah. as a child and that I was taught, you know, whatever goes on in this house. And like even trying to hide the abuse that I was going through, you know, I didn't want everybody to know because um, and a lot of times as young women, we're trying to mirror what we see somebody else have. And um, like. Miss Clemens, my, my parents was together until my mom passed away. You know, um, my dad was a awesome provider. You know, my dad provide for all his children, his grandchildren, everybody that my mama brought in the house. <laughs> um, you know, um, but he's always been a provider. And so um, with me, you know, and then having an older sister whose husband was like a prime example of my dad, you know, I wanted the exact same thing. So I was busy trying to mirror what they had. But um, I remember my grandparents say, you know, dig deep. When you start dating these guys, dig deep. You know, you go, you don't fall asleep. You watch what's going on. All the signs was there, you know, but I was like, oh, okay, you know, it's going to be all right. We're going to be different. We were very different. But um, I like what one of the, um, what one of the viewers said. She said, victims need to believe that their life has value and they are worth the work to overcome the odds. You have value. We all have value. Um, no matter whether you're a man, woman, whatever. You have value. Don't allow anyone to tell you that your life has no value. Um, one thing that I will say as we begin to wrap this roundtable up, um, we're going to all come in our own way. 
and tell you, like, um, give you insight on what to do if you're trying to get out of a situation like that. But also, let me say this, because I work with children and during this pandemic, one of the things that, you know, a lot of people do not understand is, you know, when the schools were open, the children had a an outsource, meaning they were able to go to school and, you know, they weren't with the abuse all day. And so now we have children that are being homeschooled, virtual school, however you want to say it. And, you know, before, you know, they was at school, what, from 630, they was on the bus from 630 in the morning to probably 4, 430 in the afternoon. So that kept them away from their abusers a long time, you know, and so they were able to go to school and have like an outsource. We have to pay attention now, you know, as Miss Andrea was saying, you know, people want to do everything virtual, pay attention to those babies. Because now they're screaming for help without saying a word. Okay? So pay attention to the women in your family. If she got to constantly turn her face and, you know, act like she's looking off, baby, turn your face so I can see your whole face. Okay? Um, if, you know, it, it's different things that we need to look for. Um, if the children can't come up front, you know, why can't they come up front? You know, this is a family gathering. We want to see the children, too. So, you know, it's different things that we need attention to. I had to say that before I wrap it up. And, you know, um, with the numbers going up with domestic violence, you know, you think about it. These When, when we see the numbers from CCP and North Carolina Coalition Against Domestic Violence, those numbers are the ones that are reported. Do we understand how many are going away from here and their incidents have never been reported? We need to pay attention. Um, domestic violence is killing our people. You know, we've had several right here where we're from, you know, and I hear people say all the time, well, I would never, um, I never thought that person would do something like that. And, you know, we have an excuse for everything. Oh, they got PTSD. They got this. If you see the signs and one of your loved ones, help them to get help. Because if not, they're going to be on the news. And, you know, we I'm tired of children losing their parents because we see the signs and we choose to keep our mouth closed. So let's do better as a community. We're spreading awareness. Let's do, it don't matter. And um, everybody will tell you, I have events all the time. You know, we, we grab people from any type, every type of organization. It's not about who organization get the credit. It's about making sure we spread the awareness so that our communities are educated and made aware of what is going on. As Ms. Andrea said, the pandemic with um, domestic violence has been here. Anytime you go from one month to the other, right now, I think we're over 60 something and we still got two more months to go. And those are only the ones that have been reported. So um, you can also go on the CDC page and you will see the sexual assault You'll see the teen dating results. You'll see all of this. And as we stated before, we shouldn't even see violence behind teen dating. 
because we should be educating our children on what love is, not just educating them, but showing them what love is. And it's sad because we got babies raising babies and they don't even know what love is. There's a difference in sex and there's a difference in love. So we need to educate our children. But we're going to um, begin to round this up because we have taken two, almost two hours of you guys' time. And we thank you guys for, um, you know, tuning in. We are going to come with some more virtual roundtables because we didn't even get through half of the questions that we have. But we're going to set another date and bring more information to you. So, um, Ms. Clemens, we're going to start with you. Um, if anything that you want to say to our viewers, um, any type of awareness that you want to spread and really highlight some on mental health, because I know you're really strong in that. OK, first of all, I would say to anybody, just know your worth and know that you're worthy, regardless of what you have. It's not in substance and it's not in your ability. It's just that you're walking, living, breathing on the you have purpose. Um, it is very important that if you know that you, you need someone to talk to, get help, seek help. I, go make your therapy appointment. Don't worry about the stigmas of the community saying, oh, she, she this and she that. No, you just want to be free. Set your free. Know your worth and you're worthy. You're worth it. You're worth it. That's what I would say. You're worth it. And you're not your abuse. You are you. And there is healing. When when you get to know yourself, there's healing in you getting to know yourself. Get to know yourself and you will be healed. Your healing will be good. So just know your worth. Love you. Love on you. Love others, you know, and, and, and it's the gift and loving others how you want to be loved and that love will come back to you. But just know you're worthy that if I don't have if I don't say anything else, you're worth it. And that's it. Miss Rhonda. I echo everything that the sister before me just said, but in addition to that, I would say that you're stronger than you think. Um, there's so much yeah. greatness inside of you. And not only for those that have um, been victims of domestic violence or that's still in domestic violence, but you have the tools. You can, you can reach out to get the tools and the resources that you need, but you are much stronger than you think. You have what it takes to survive. And um, nothing that you would ever do, uh, I, I often say this, that nothing that we go through will ever be wasted. And so don't feel as though there's nothing, you can't come up from this, you can. I'm a witness that you can. And so you are stronger than you think. Mr. Hennis. So I wanna say thank you for allowing me to be here, Ms. Benita. You know, I always work with you on anything and anyone else <laughs> that's out there who wants to work with me or that needs any help or assistance. And the reason why I say that is because I believe that when we talk about domestic violence, that it is a community issue and that it should be an issue that everybody should pull together on because uh, of the effects of it. Um, I think about 
what all the issues that we talked about here today, all the subjects that we talked about here, we range from teen violence, um, how how uh, abuse, uh, child abuse is, how the financial abuse, how domestic violence, mental health, uh, uh, mental illness, um, and I think about all the things that can come from domestic violence, all the all the generational curses that can happen with it. I think about all the other issues that that a, a lot of people just don't talk about, or that people just that just go unnoticed. Um, and I think that the way that we solve this issue and all the issues that come along with it is that we work together as a community, and we all be the change that we need to see. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, so as you guys know, Mr. Hannon is part of my organization, so that's why I kind of had him last, but. Um, again, as a community, you know, as advocates, as coaches, um, let's do what we can to continue to join together to educate the masses on what domestic violence is, the different forms of abuse, so that people can stop thinking that domestic violence is just physical. There's so much more into it, like the emotional abuse, the financial abuse, the physical abuse, um, psychological um, spiritual, you know, sexual, there's, there's more into um, abuse than just being physically hit, hit, spit on, whatever. Um, and it comes from your intimate partner. Um, we also, at any given time, if there's anything that we can do for you, just let us know um, and we will do it. At the bottom of the screen, for those that are viewing, if you ever have any questions or you want to reach out to us, our website is um, scrolling at the bottom. But um, again, stay tuned because we have so many virtual roundtables that's going to be coming. Um, the key to this is educating, bringing awareness, and just making sure that we're able to spread knowledge and wisdom from our tables to yours. Um, and we thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, again, if you're in an abusive relationship and you want to get out, develop a safety plan. There's all of these organizations that you can reach out to. You can reach out to us. You can reach out to Miss Rhonda. You can reach out to Miss Andrea. If you don't want to talk to me, you can reach out to Mr. Hennett. It don't matter. Um, there's so many. Just reach out to somebody so they can help you to develop a safety plan so we can get you out of that situation. As they stated, you are worth more. Your value is you, you're you're a ruby if you're a woman. And you know, for our men, you you're just you're just that 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 king, you know. Um, but nobody, whether you male or female, deserve to go through abuse. We want you to know that your mental health is so much, so very important. So again, as we stated before, when you're seeking therapy, make sure you get a therapist that fits you. When you're seeking counseling, make sure it's dealing with your underlying issues. The only way to heal is to deal with it. The only way to heal is to acknowledge that you've been hurt. It's okay. We no longer have to be ashamed of being, a, being hurt. We no longer have to be quiet. We can speak up 
speak out and get the help that we need. And from our table to yours, thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. Um, stay tuned, stay tuned, stay tuned to Breaking the Silence on Domestic Violence Inc. page because we have so much more to offer. And you can follow each of them on their pages with upcoming events that they may have. And again, guys, thank you guys for tuning in with us, joining in with us on our roundtable. You all be blessed. And if there are any questions or whatever, just pay attention. And if you can answer them, please answer them for our viewers. You guys have an awesome night.